and welcome to TalkWord. I'm Marty Dundix, Editor-in-Chief of Weekly Universe Magazine, and this is TalkWord, a fun little podcast where professionally funny people come and tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. My guest today, I'm very excited, and I know that he has many awkward and cringeworthy stories, just because being in this small studio with him it makes me feel cringeworthy. No. <laughs> Um, please welcome Jeff Chrysler. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Marty. Jeff is an author. He's a speaker. He's a comedy person, um, writer, uh, talking head. The final edition. We should mention that. That's Intellectual. Um, oh, yes. Hilarity. Oh, are they smart funny? Uh, he's funny, uh, the uh, editor. Are you the editor in chief? Are you the head head person at the final edition? Uh, uh, you and Tony Hendra? Yeah, I'm the executive producer of the Final Edition Radio Hour and something on the website, but I haven't done anything there for years. Edit, I think I'm the managing editor. Okay. So check that out, Final Edition, thefinaledition.com. Yes. Thefinaledition.com and find out the radio show. That's where it's really happening. And that is weekly? Uh, it's pretty much weekly. I mean, it's it's it started actually as a radio show broadcast on some... Uh, stations and now it's kind of a podcast. So it's hey, that's where that's week. where the listeners are. Yeah, yeah, we were doing. Uh, people we've got we've got seven or eight ourselves. Seriously, listeners. Well, so what what does that translate into? Like four million dollars uh, sponsorship at least. Cool. Talkword. It's those uniques. You need a little button like a morning DJ drive guy, like Talkword. I have that someplace. No. I have I had like a soundboard that I I can play wacky sound effects on my iPad. See, I have kids. It does the same thing. You can just squeeze them and they make wacky sound effects? Yeah, like I'll be in the middle of something, I'll hear, bang, 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 doing. So uh, your background is many different things in media. So I met you through the final edition. You were doing radio-type comedy. But on top of that, you write all these books that are on the more uh, smart money side of of. Of comedy, so it's it's a little bit more upper crust comedy hmm. where you're kind of speaking to the intellectual money people. Well, would you say that because you also speak um, at like, conferences? Yeah. You're like a talking smart head on cable television. So, uh, what's your business? You know what what kind of comedy would you put yourself in? Because you also do stand up. You did the guaranteed delivery stand up mm-hmm. comedy show here. That's my number one credit. That's that's actually on my business card. (laughs) Did people (laughs) did guaranteed delivery once? Yeah, it's it. You'd be amazed how many doors it opens. Oh, thank Uh, you. Just the one downstairs. Right. It's just like you can jimmy it open. Yeah. Uh, There are many answers to that. I would say that in the context of your question, I think that the all the things that I do, all the creative work that's writing and talking and talking about writing, uh, ranges. It's sort of um. A sliding scale of uh, smart, useful, and funny. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff is more towards funny with a little bit of smart and useful. Like my stand-up. Like the job of stand-up is to be funny first and you don't have breathing room to like do a diatribe. You have seconds to keep people's attention. So it's funny first. It's jokes first. Um, I've always done political stuff. So I've always tried to get in some thoughtful, delusional, save the world shit. Yeah. I'd say shit, right? Sure. Cool. Uh, and... Then there's, you know, stuff that I write, like I've written speeches uh, for um, governors who gave at the Democratic Convention, and that's content first with some funny in it. Right. Or uh, not politically, this latest book, Dollars and Cents, is all about behavioral economics and financial decision making, and you're holding it up and your listeners can see that. Uh, And For those watching at home, um, this is the book, Dollars and Cents, 
How We Misthink Money and How to Spend Smarter. New York Times bestselling author, predictably irrational, Dan something, and Jeff Chrysler. Yeah, and you'll notice on the on the book cover, my name is smaller than Dan's. I did okay, notice that. Which is okay. He's like sold multiple international bestsellers. He's the lead of this. But while I do know how to stand up for myself, my name is bigger than the word and. In the, in the original design, it was the same as the word and. I'm like, listen, and did not contribute to this book. I did. And they're like, well. That's um, great. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that book is more like it's about the content. And there's humor in there. I mean, as I'm sure your listeners um, know, humor is a great way to get people engaged and a great way to get people thinking about and talking about topics that they might not otherwise. And money and politics, I found, are certainly two of those things that uh, people are hesitant to talk about for different reasons. Yeah. Um, and so if I can use humor to get in there, I can. Uh, I would you say- also do... Um, uh- behavioral stuff. So you do like behavioral science. Yeah, yeah. So when the book was coming out, which has now been a year... Uh, it's like you're the mentalist. I am. I, Are you I like actually, the mentalist? I actually feel like I wish that I didn't have a moral compass because I have the power to be an incredible supervillain. I have a law degree from the top school. I have... Princeton. You went yeah, to Princeton there. Fancy uh, yeah, that was not law, but still. That's where I studied Russian <laughs> studies. Uh, so I, I know politics Did and you Russian really? studies. You studied Russian studies? Yeah. And my first book, Get Rich Cheating, had plenty of Donald Trump in it. I'm Ooh. like, I'm, I predicted this in my yeah. dreams. So Russian studies, politics, law. I wrote a book about cheating. I wrote a book now about like human behavior and psychology. And I'm a comedian. Like I pretty much can get away with anything if I just like keep flapping the yaps. Uh, yeah. But I don't. So anyway, maybe my next thing will be like a uh, more of a fiction, a story of a guy that has all these powers and either fights crimes or gets laid. I don't know. Both. Yeah, you, you could definitely, because you have the power to manipulate people. Using, Do I, Marty? Oh, my God. Here, here's, I don't have anything of value. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, you don't. Here's my keys. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, how did you, how did you go from college and uh, law to, to being this sort of st- mashup of stand-up, intellectual author? Burning mani- Man. Manipulate, Burning, Burning Man, Man, really. Two, two or five times. Yeah. Uh, that story is going to be the subject of my next book. I'm sorry, Dad. Uh, but basically, I had always wanted to... I was always fascinated by the power of words. When it was about the law, it was like, oh my God, these constitutions that we write around the world, and I worked with a guy who wrote constitutions, which is kind of crazy, uh, they shape society. They shape our interactions. Legal contracts shape how we can behave with one another. Uh, law Words can like shape so much and the way they're delivered, the way they're crafted. And so that was always a fascinating fascination of mine in politics and in Russian studies. Like I focused on the Russian media, um, law and I, that channel, um, that channel that, the, uh, the, the, the Russian, uh, cable news. Yeah. Yeah. RT. RT. Yes. It was on at the gym. It was on at my gym, and wow. I was, like, on the elliptical. I was at the gym at the Blink, and they have, like, you know, they have TVs, and they have all these yeah. many TVs, and they're all running things. It's like TNT's running reruns of Law & Order, and you're watching MSNBC, and then RT was one of them. And I was like, I don't know how I – is why am I getting shoved Russian propaganda at the gym? Who's – what's going on here? Well, what was Fox News on? No. Oh, and I thought it was really strange that that this channel was on at like a regular gym. Like I felt like it was it was someone manipulating 
with the with the news, right? With the fake news, like it was see, it was seeping into me just as I'm on the elliptical, cheating and pushing the thing up so that the calories go faster and I add weight to the thing. And yeah. and I was like, why is this like uh, subliminally? I'm I'm watching a news station that's just like making things up. But I don't I don't know. You should ask your gym. I was like, who's in Vladimir. charge of this? Yeah, right. It's everywhere. Well, see, what they do is they put it in gyms so that people get in shape, and then those are the people that they have and uh, the ground forces when they attack. I don't know. I felt, I, I, I felt very uncomfortable. I was going to say something, but, but then didn't. I didn't No, that's because how I got you. tired. That's how they get Because you. I was at the gym. Yeah. So the point is uh, words are really powerful and cool, and then I saw comedy. It's this place where you could talk about anything yeah. as long as you're funny, and uh, you know, being crafty with words is fun. Is that, it works. Did you use this manipulation and comedy and intellect to uh, land your wife? Uh, since she's probably not going to listen to this, yes. Because nice. <laughs> uh, you, you're married with two kids now. Uh, yes, I believe. You look The amount of tired <laughs> you look makes me think two kids. <laughs> They're a blessing, and I suggest. Anyway, I will say. One is, bra- I mean, one is brand new, right? Yeah, yeah, we just got her at the shop. Yeah, there was a little like she had a little glitch, so we like returned her. Um, but yeah, she's she's brand new. They're awesome because they laugh at like the same type of jokes over and over again. Mm-hmm. And most times you go, you do comedy, like you have to find new audiences. That's the real challenge. Keep building because you want to do the same shit. Yeah. For this, it's like I got the same audience because they have memories of like a goldfish right now. Not just that that they don't remember, but like they think Goo Goo Gaga is killer, which it is. Although it's originally a Carlin bit. I don't know if you mm, you can't rip that off. Uh, did I manipulate my wife? I don't think so. I did tell her, I didn't mention within the first, uh, couple hours that I'd gone to Princeton, which probably, but that was in passing, because at the time I was one of those guys like, where'd you go to college? I went to New Jersey, right? Or people like, where'd you go? I went to Cambridge, right? I downplayed it. I was more like, I'm a comedian, I'm an artist, because she was an actor at the time. And I'm like, I'm I'm creative, I'm I'm a stand-up. Did you guys meet in in the the acting type world? Yeah, so we met... Uh, on July 4th, a friend of ours, mutual friend, uh, has a family barbecue every July 4th uh, on Stinson Beach outside San Francisco. We met. We didn't hit it off, but she was in his like summer intensive acting program at ACT San Francisco, and I was stand-up and also knew this guy other circles. We didn't hit it off one year. Uh, then the following year, we met again at the same barbecue, and that guy, that mutual friend, ended up officiating our wedding. What? Which is That's the great. only place she's ever upstanded me. Is that the word? Did you get married at the next year's barbecue? No, but there was a barbecue involved. That's nice. My balls. They were barbecued. I don't know what that is. What? Is this part of the awkward and cringeworthy story part? No, but (laughs) since you you brought up the... Yes. (laughs) Marriage is what brings us... So I guess what I'm saying is marriage is a manipulation, uh, and good luck. That sounds great. This is... The Dollars and Cents is the newest book? Yeah. How many books have you written? Uh, two whole books and parts of other books. And so I've the first helped. book was the one "Get Rich Cheating." Yes. Okay. Which is more uh, relevant now than ever. It seems. It seems to be. Yeah. Because I have a copy of that in in the library here too, and I don't know. You don't have to uh, get it out. if I have it. I can't possibly. Get wow, it out. you're holding it. How incredible! Oh yeah, it's big. Uh, um, I believe it's green. Yeah, there's yeah, green in it. I have it. Um, that was what awesome. Is, what is that about? That's about is that's it, is a that satire how, like uh, like Stephen Colbert meets Jim Cramer or Tony Robbins. Like it's how to get rich cheating. Yeah, and it's basically a step by step. Like you need this and that and that to either do steroids or f- manipulate financial 
stuff or steal elections or, you know, get on the Hollywood casting couch. And it's just all this stuff. And Trump is in there for like, you know, certainly in the bankruptcy section and, and boasting and it's just it, it was over inflating. Yeah. And then and then almost gaslighting yourself to the point where people believe it. Right. Yeah, just being basically just being a, an own brand, creating your own. Because uh, his, his first lies were uh, uh, getting in the um, was it the Forbes 100 like richest people or yeah, something. Yeah. He, he just and he inflated. He talked his way into it. Yeah. And he he had he was nowhere near the minimum. Yeah, he was like built on. He's built on nothing. So he's a paper tiger. Yeah, and, and it, I don't know if it'll happen. My hope is like everything about his whole life of scam crumbles down. I mean, it did. Like that New York Times report about the uh, the tax fraud. Yeah. he and his dad did. That's basically like, look, he is nothing. But 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 nothing sticks, right? It sticks. That it, it, I don't know how far down the road of tribalism and confirmation bias you want to go, but some people don't give a shit, right? Like they just they they want their guy. They they've bought in. Um, and the people that already think he's scum don't need further evidence. I feel like everybody knows uh, that he's a crook, but they just don't feel like going through the motion of, of getting him out of office because that that uh, might disrupt the economy and disrupt the, the nation to a point where they don't want to do it. So they're just kind of waiting it out, you know? I feel like I, they're they're discrediting him as much as possible, and then they're going to be like, okay, two more years, and then we're done with this. I guess so, but also the tools to get him out are all controlled by people that are benefiting from him being there, yeah. just by the nature of his party affiliation. I was reading something um, in, I think it was the New York Times, but I really find it fascinating when they go back and you hear about presidential history from like the 1800s or something yeah. like that, and how things were really effed up, and, and hilariously, like people were drunk all the time, and it was when... Uh, Lincoln had gotten assassinated, and his vice president was I want to say a man. He was a white man. Oh, I remember man. that for sure. I don't think he was man. Zachary Taylor. Jesus, I don't remember. Wasn't he that the guy from Full House? Stop. Uh, but whoever it was was horrible, and yeah. he was um, like super racist and and totally against. Um, good things <laughs> well no it was it was right after they were trying it was like you know the civil war had just ended and and he basically was going back on everything lincoln was trying to do yeah. and it, they basically congress pretty much did everything they could to tie his hand so he couldn't be the president but he was still the president but he couldn't make any real decisions and they pretty much took control of everything and they, they would pretty much pass and veto anything that he would do they would just pass it themselves yeah. they would block they blocked everything he tried to do just because they all decided this guy's terrible we need to figure a way out of this that was back when congress uh i guess wanted something for the country or they felt like they, they just had a civil war so they probably felt like we yeah. gotta get our acting right where you know we've had we've had several decades now of, of pretty pretty comfy living have you ever uh, thought about or did you ever work in politics uh yes because you write speeches thought... so you're a speech writer so that's yes. that's political uh, yeah, I thought about it. Well, I mean, I went to law school to be Thurgood Marshall or Thomas Jefferson. Uh, both those jobs are taken. And I thought about getting more involved. In fact, I had interviews to be uh, the speechwriter for Bill de Blasio and for uh, Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo? No, Perry Cuomo. Who's the governor? Perry Cuomo sings very nicely. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get those jobs, and I'm kind of glad I did. I, politics is like... You know, show business has a lot of sociopaths in it. I think mm -hmm. that's a hey, little listeners. Uh, politics has an equally large number, and so does uh, news media um, for different reasons. And I just, I, I couldn't work in a place where people take everything, take themselves so seriously. Yeah, like, I think there's important work to be done, and I want to contribute to that. But like day to day, there's also a goofy, wonderful world out there to just be like, ah, 
it's yeah. silly. Google Gaga. And it seems like everything is a struggle when you're in politics. Like someone's constantly trying to destroy you or 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 sidetrack any sort of agenda you yeah. have to help people. Everyone's like, and it's just again, it reminds me of show business. Some someone said to me, so someone I work with is a polit who was a politician reached out to me recently because he or she was going to appear on uh, some news panel, CNN or something, and wanted like some jokes to yeah. like do, which I which I'm happy to do now and then. It's been a while since I'd heard from him from him or her. I'm obviously uh, hedging my bets here, and. I whipped off some and like he or she never really even said thank you or it just sort of moved on and I was telling a mutual friend of ours and our mutual friend was like, yeah, you know, he or she is is really considerate and thoughtful for a politician. Yeah. And it's sort of like that, you know, it's like, oh, he or she is really nice for a show business agent. Right. You know, just by some of it, like I don't blame people. It's just the nature of stuff. Yeah. It's like if you hear back 30% of the time, you're like, wow, they're great at communicating. Or just like, and, <laughs> and it's like, does, does your environment change who you are? Like for me... Like when, when Get Rich Cheating first came out, I didn't have as strong a support sort of publicity machine as I did for this Dollars and Cents. And I was just like all self-promotion. And as your listeners probably know, comedians and other people, like you have to do a lot of self-promotion. Yeah. And I just found myself like it, it, it worked. I got on TV at a regular spot. Like it was fine. But like I hated who I was becoming because I had to like lead with me and I'd much rather hear about other people. It's and needy. You it's feel needy. It's so neat. And it's just and like the gross. kids call it thirsty. Yeah. That's what I learned from the interns. Although I thought that had to specifically. When you hashtag sex. things because you want to get noticed, yeah. I'm acting too thirsty. That's yeah. what I learned. Which is like who. But also, if you, if you don't act thirsty, you don't get what you want. Right. So there's so, a balance there. Yeah. And there's a whole. It's a whole mess, and I just come from this background, delusional background. I'm like, I'm just going to do good work, and I'll get rewarded for that. You won't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good luck with that. What are you talking about? I, I'm on the Marty Dundix That's cast. right. You're what on, is this called? You're, it's called Talkward. Oh, right. The Marty Dundix cast. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just unsubscribe. Exactly. Wait, that's Marty? If you're just joining us live on the uh, Are on you the, the only one your age with the name Marty? I don't know. Do you know any other Martys? Martin McFly would have been like sixty by now. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think there are other. Mar- I, whenever I meet another Marty, they're usually fun people. I think it's kind of built in. When it was we- a very, it was a very popular name up until the moment where the um, Ernest Borgnine, uh, they did a live, they did a live show of there was a play called yeah. Marty, right? And it's just about this absolute loser, and it's very depressing. Yeah. And his name is Marty, and then they did. It was like the first live programming on television was the television broadcast of this play marty and it was very widely i mean it was like the number one it was yeah. everybody watched it, it was a revolutionary a moment in television there was no options right. this was a big deal to do a live television show and um it pretty much made the name marty associated with like the biggest loser in history <laughs> And you, I've looked at graphs of this, and the name Marty was incredibly popular. Up until that point, it dropped to, like, 0%, and it never really regained. It regained a bit from Back to the Future. Yeah. Then it got cool again. But, I mean, it's, you know, they it's should, up there with Walt. Like, you don't really see that many There's a Waltz. lot. Or Gerald. Eh, I mean, Jerry. You, get, you, you oh, hear some Jerrys, but, I mean, yeah. I think they should... Atticus, Ale- really don't see that many Atticuses anymore. I has got an Atticus. And his sister is... I don't remember what it is, but it's something equally... Finch? Probably. Finch? Finch? I think yeah. they have a dog named Finch. Uh, what if you, What if Alexa wasn't named Marty? That, wouldn't that be wild? I think the shit... Like, Alexa, I'm always kind of surprised. Alexa's like got, it's got soft consonants. You'd think they'd have like a hard consonant there, right? And what about the uh, the, the person who's named Alexa? No. Yeah, you know, she's, she's just like... like are you talking to me? 
Oh, you're not talking to me. Are you talking to me? No, you're talking to the robot. Okay, that was the worst De Niro impression. Are you talking I've ever to me? <laughs> I I didn't. Uh, I was I wasn't doing. Uh, so I guess the point is, books are sweet. I will say, can I do my little like? Uh, I'll attempt to make it like a minute and a half or less little uh, diatribe, not diatribe, a little thing on. on... Sure. So if you're just joining us, we're here with uh, Jeff Chrysler, author bre- of the book Dollars and Cents. I'm about to break this shit down in bookstores now. So this is about the road where comedy can take people and unexpected places. And I would certainly say I'm in an unexpected place now, giving talks about behavioral economics that are funny and writing books and Mm -hmm. running this website, people science and all this other stuff. Um, I like to think, and I think I'm accurate of this. Like I'm a good comedian, maybe a very good comedian, but that's not enough in show business. You have to, I'm talking about stand up. You have to be extraordinary. Like I remember working, uh, doing open mics with like Donald Glover and, and Baron Vaughn and some others who are just like undeniable talents, right? They're going to make it no matter what. But in show business, as like just a stand-up, for instance, you have to be really good. And you also maybe have to have some fortune, some connections. You have to have other stuff happen. And we're talking about a moment ago, like how it changes you, makes you thirsty, makes you like desperate. Like it's a really hard industry because there's no like, here's the path, just work hard, right? It's it's a lot out of your control. Um, I often talk about my friend uh, Kamal Bell. You probably know. Uh, mm-hmm. He, We were in San Francisco together. He started a few years before me. Brilliant comedian, kind guy, and he was touring. And, and I don't want to um, misrepresent his story, so we can check on it. But basically, he was touring with his show, The W. Kamal Bell Curve. And he was considering sort of pulling back from stand-up because he had a family to support everything. And Chris Rock came to his show, his live show, and was like, hey, I want to take you under my wing and help you out. And that really boosted his career. He deserves it. He's smart. He's funny. He's considerate. But what if Chris Rock had the flu? Exactly. Right? What, yeah. if he, what, what, what if he hadn't come? And know. so this whole industry is so messed up and it can, it can mess with your heads. And I'm now at this place where like, I still wish I was had my own version of The Daily Show. I still wish there's still like a little bit of that wishing I had that other thing. But at the same time, I... I I went through the doors that were open and I'm doing stuff where like I can be funny. Uh, I'm getting feedback. I'm getting paid, which is nice. And in some ways for me, I'm actually helping people. Like I'm not just delusionally being like, George Bush is an asshole. Right. It's like I'm giving them tools to improve their life. And it took it, it, it's really hard to look up from that grind of comedy. Like I want to write for this Netflix show. I want to be on this other show. I want to make a movie and think about the other stuff that you can do with it that can be just as reward. Excuse me, just as rewarding. Yeah. Um. So to people that are like struggling with that, think about what it is that you want out of comedy. Like I want people to laugh at me. Or I want money or whatever it is, and realize that there are other avenues for that. Especially now when comedy as a communication tool is more like respected throughout everything. Yeah. Anyway, that's my little like. So it's, it's almost like you're thinking outside of the box by thinking of a new box. Yeah. So instead of doing going after the one thing that everyone's going after, what can you? It's like zigging and zagging, right? Yeah. So you zag and you find that other thing where you can be the only one at this thing, yeah. or just be open to it, even if you don't like actively pursue it. Like I, um, when I got hired to write for this TV show on Current TV, it was a news show about uh, with uh, Governor uh, Jennifer Granholm was the host, um, and it was progressive. And uh, I thought about it in terms of like a clock, if like tw- both hands at 12 midnight are, you know, I get to create and star and produce my own version of Daily Show. That's my ideal. Yeah. Like how far afield is this work option? Is it like one o'clock or is it, you know, down at six o'clock? And so if it's close, most people in most people in the world are not working at 12 o'clock, right? They're lucky if they're, you know, working between nine and three. And I'm doing a lot of <laughs> visual metaphors on the radio. Um 
So like if it's close, like that's great. Yeah. You know, most people go to a job that just sucks um, and they're just all they care. All they have as a reward is the money. Uh, and so, you know, finding something else is, is good. I'm done with my grand philosophy because like later today I'll like hate everything again. But that's how I feel right now. It's a trade off. <laughs> Uh, making uh, d- doing a job to make more money versus doing a job really like to make less money. I feel like that's yeah. something that everybody has to choose or does choose. Uh, they choose early in life, or then they change it up midlife when they realize that they aren't happy at all yeah. what they're doing, and then they have this whole life change. Yeah, which is it's probably better. I've to, consistently like... had jobs where I've been happy and doing what I wanted to do, but I've never made any money at it. Like it's I, final I've, edition for me. It's I've like, always I, made. <laughs> I've made enough money. Right. To, to claw together a living, but I've never been at a job where I'm just punching a clock and I'm dreading every day, but I'm getting paid enough. Which is awesome. Know? Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, there's definitely that. There's definitely that. There's like two sides of the coin in the United States. I feel like that's what people have to do. Right. So it's fascinating. So in the, some of the work I'm doing now with like from out of the book and this website, People Science, about like behavioral science, it looks at um, motivation and incentives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks a lot about it, non-monetary rewards. And I won't bore everybody, but basically like there's studies. Too late. Show, <laughs> are people, do people, they're not. Are you, if you're there, wave your hands. Uh if you're at a company, you can give somebody a bonus, like a $5,000 bonus if they hit some target. Right. Or you could give them like a trip to Hawaii that costs the company like $3,000. And it turns out, like based upon all these studies, that like that trip to Hawaii has much greater value than the crap than the cash. It has much greater motivational force because it's comp, but like you get to imagine it, get to take your family, especially remember the, the point being like when we measure stuff, our value and our worth just on money, we're missing out on a lot of things. Yeah. Now you have to like get a certain level of income because you just have to survive. Otherwise, you're like in a scarcity mindset. But like if you can get to, like you said, that place where you're making enough money and then doing something you really like, that's more than most people get. No one will ever yeah. lay on their deathbed wishing they spent more time with their money. Exactly. Except for Trump. Or, or his pretend money. God. Sorry. Didn't mean to do that. So what are you working on right now? I saw, I mean, you, the the book got a lot of press. Uh, Still getting press. You know, it's crazy. It's working with the, the pro tip, work with people that are better than you. My uh, my co-author, uh, Dan Ariely, is much better than me and everything. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's we just got like a best of list like a week ago from a book that's been out for a year. It's interesting also because um, there's many different uh, types of publishing, or, you know, like books, you know, t- types of books. And this is like a smart it's like a smart financial type guidebook. So, you know, it's you're not writing like a you know, fiction, nonfiction, yeah. historical, whatever. You're, do, you're, you're very niche. And the people that like you in that niche, it, it, they're very intellectual types. So it, it's well, like it's neat to be in, a, in, a, in a, a narrow focus of like the top uh, like smart money people who, who like reading those. Because yes. there's definitely a whole line of books that are like, kind of, not necessarily self-help, but they're businessy books. Yeah. You know, like there's certain people that only read businessy. Like my father is a businessy guy. He runs a small company and I've never seen him reading like a, a, a novel. Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> exactly. Right? He's reading businessy books that have, to do, <laughs> that have to do with his business, improving his business. He loves businessy books. So... I am following everything you say, but I will take exception that our attempt here and what I think we were successful is to broaden it. I think that's why he, like my co-author has written those, but like he's, I always talk about him as like a, a TED Talk NPR guy. Like that crowd loves him, like yeah. the intellectuals. Um, but we wanted this, this book is tell stories about like everyday people. Like that's sort of why he brought me on to make it more accessible to everyone because everyone has 
problems with money, financial decision-making mistakes. They overspend. Like, it's the holidays, right? There's yeah. People spend too much. So we tried to broaden it beyond just business people. It what, helps business What's people. a major tip or what's the uh, 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 top few easy tips that are the accessible and can help anybody type things that are in the book? Uh, there's a, you a, know, a principle like, called relativity, which is basically – you know, when we think about sale prices, people are more likely to buy a $60 shirt that was $100. Now it's 40% off than just a $60 shirt because it's complex, but we fall for that comparison. And the tip is like, don't fall for sale prices. Don't think about what you're saving. You're not saving anything. You're actually spending an amount. That You know what I like to do? Because I always, I always, I'm guilty of that. And I'm always like, oh, I, I got to buy, I have to take advantage of this deal. Yeah. I don't definitely. know. I'm always, I was brought up that way. That's how... Uh, my it's mom marketing, is baby. right. Scarcity, get it? And yeah, it is. It totally. And I, I'm like a, I'm like a reformed hoarder, absolutely reformed hoarder. I used to have, I, I purged my apartment. I used to have so much unnecessary stuff, and I am definitely guilty of seeing something. I'm like, oh my god, that's a great deal. I need to, t- I need to buy ten. And now I'm, I'm, now I'm thinking of, yeah, but you know, no, it's a great deal. If I don't buy any of it, I save a hundred percent. Exactly. You know, and I have to say that to myself all the time. If yep. I just. And I'll go to the grocery store, and I'll buy, I'll pick up a lot of stuff, and then I'll go and I'll put half of it back, and I'm and I think, oh, I feel so great. I just saved what like thirteen dollars because I didn't buy any of the stuff that I don't really need. You only buy twenty six dollars worth of groceries. Less, probably wow. less. Oh, single life. I know. You can just I just you just just wrong. goya black beans. <laughs> you can use it for every meal. <laughs> You can. You can. It's remarkably gassy. Yeah. Uh, so that's what <laughs> we are in a small studio. Was that what that was? I, I don't know. It's just how this. I place think I was. stepped on a duck. Uh, the that's one that everyone gets me. I get people that don't even know, like either email me with curses or praise because mm-hmm. they're like, "Now I can't go shopping, you dick," or "Thank you, I can't go shopping." Yeah. Uh, that's what, and I will say, well, there's, there's a ton of cool stuff in here that I had no idea about. Um, but one thing everyone should be aware of is this thing called the pain of paying. How paying actually stimulates the same region of our brain as physical pain, right? When we hand over cash. And that is good, right? Pain has an evolutionary purpose to make us pay attention and think, is this a good idea? But what we've done with financial technology from credit cards to Apple Pay to Easy Pass is we make it so we don't feel that pain. And that means we don't think about those those payments. And so beware, like all this new cool apps that make, you know, spending easy makes spending easy makes it so you don't think about it way too easy yes. that money just goes right it, it's if you're if you're dropping a grand you can take a minute to like you know write yeah a check or whatever put it back kids do rethink yeah so because i went i i feel like you get on um you'll get on kicks where something is uh, a luxury that you start abusing because it doesn't you don't feel that you're spending the money uh-huh. and i think that's uber where uh-huh. i'll get I'll get myself very addicted to Uber because it's so convenient and it's so nice to have them just pick you right up and take you where you need to go. And there's no transaction at the end. You're just, you get out, you know, and that's the difference with taking a cab. And uh, I took so many Ubers recently when I was uh, on a business trip to Los Angeles and I really didn't think about any, I I thought I did such a good job on spending. And then I really looked at it and I was like, Oh my god! I spent so much. I could have, I could have just bought a car. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't need to None take of all the these cash. Ubers. Left my wallet, but why is my credit card company calling yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. So, Uber, yeah, Uber is so awesome. I mean, awesome in quotes about using all this behavioral stuff. Because yeah. the other thing, you look at Uber, you turn it on, and it shows you like how far your car is, and like it's coming. And that, like, when when people show you the effort that's going into something like that, it makes the wait time seem less. 
Yeah. Because right? you're showing, oh, the car's coming, or you're not just waiting five minutes. The it anticipation. Feels, you you yeah. know it's the management of expectations. And it just, it, yeah. it's Amazon, uh, Uber, Apple, they're all like amazing at this manipulation stuff and amazing at using it. Are you a stock guy? Do you do you do financial markety type things? Uh, I do a little bit. I've taught. I mean, I know some of the behavioral stuff behind investing. It seems um, very behavioral science based. So stock this is what trading. this is what blew my mind. It, uh, I feel like emotions drive yeah. so many dips and rises in these markets. Yeah, I've, uh, I a have tweet, a tweet. People a, tweet something. And it, it crashes things, and yep. it ends companies, and you got you got Elon Musk tweeting some bullshit dumb thing, and then all of a sudden, boom, he, they're going to like remove him from his company. Because Capitalism he, is a fraud, man. Right. You're just like, what are you, what's going on? Someone tweeted a hashtag, and all of a sudden, everyone's selling off, you know? It is totally emotional, and I, I had this instinct about it, but I didn't know until I dug in there. A friend of mine runs a company um, called uh, Essentia Analytics. It's great if you're investing people to check it out. And it's all about like dealing with investors, like fund managers and their emotions and their behavioral thing. Because like even pros, or you think investing is like just a numbers game. No, it's not. Like you get on tilt like you do if you're gambling, right? Yeah. Like you, you lose a bunch so you want to make it up. Or you just like, you think you're winning so you act like quickly because you can make no mistakes. And like all this behavioral stuff and all this emotional stuff affects all of our financial decision making whether it's like buying that 60 buck sweater or like investing in pets.com i mean it's yeah it's it's crazy we're all emotional quivering beings yeah and you should send me money i have paypal just send me money <laughs> to learn more you know they can i just set up a shopify you remember shopify i love shopify yeah weekly humor shop.com you want to buy uh great great humor gifts for the holidays use code humorous 10 for 10 10 percent off your your first order Wow, you could almost be a radio person. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. And I'll put a link to your book when we put this up on the site, and people can uh, can buy it from Amazon, I'm assuming. Is there an e-reader? You can buy it everywhere. The, um, the audio book actually won an award. Who's uh, reading it? Is uh, it? This guy, Simon Jones. He's this awesome British actor, and I was very... So like, he has a British accent. Yeah, which I was nice. hesitant. Makes everything like, sound smarter. How is he going to do my dick jokes in British? And then the, the shopper put his penis on the credit card machine. That's my British. Is that in the book? Are there penis jokes in the book? Not explicitly. <laughs> Can I tell you one joke that didn't make it and I didn't, I didn't want it, it to the, make it? The first title was actually Dollars and Cents and Penis Jokes, but then it got, it got edited. Just like how the uh, Jeff's name is smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the cover. The penis was smaller, too. I was like, listen. We can either enlarge my penis or my name. <laughs> They're like, well, we can't do the impossible, so your name is going to be bigger. Your name is going to be bigger. Um, yeah. So there's one joke that got cut out. Uh, Tell us the by joke. By cut out meaning like I knew it wouldn't make it, and I was just sort of joking with my co-author about putting it in there. But yeah. we have this uh, visual where it's like a bunch of circles, and you're like supposed to look and compare the sizes, and it's a long, complex thing. But the circles are all like these uh, uh, dark black circles. And so for like, you know, you put a little caption on the bottom of images. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote black size matters. And uh, I feel like that would have changed the whole tenor of the book. Yeah. It would have, made, it would have politicized things unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this, I'm just kind of being quiet <laughs> now for your listeners the chance to catch their breath <laughs> from thinking about a financial decision-making book with yeah. black size matters. Yeah. It. I shouldn't have. We can delete all this, right? The whole thing. The whole thing's live. Can you just like repost someone's better interview? No. Hmm. <laughs> Do you have other books you're going to be writing? 
Yes, but I don't know what they are yet. I'm in an incubation phase right now. I've got a book out. I've got a website. I'm doing all this speaking. Which What's is the website? PeopleScience.com. And the website is uh, Behavioral Sciences. I've seen a lot of news bits about this on the LinkedIn. Yeah. It's all, uh, it, that's all behavioral science uh, for how, what, what it's all about. Like you learn about it, how you can apply it, the challenges, the ethics, the costs and all that. It's, uh, it's a thing. It's not a, it's not a humorous site though. It's humorous. And Final Legend Radio Hour is still going. I'm still doing stand-up. I'm speaking. Um, and I'm trying to decide what the next uh, project to bite off is. The longer I've been at this, the more like I don't just leap into projects anymore because yeah. I know um, – it takes a lot to get something done right. Well, for the final edition, I mean, you're you're partnered <coughs> up with uh, with Tony Hendra, who's a legendary uh, satirist. Let's see, and um, that's a. I mean, I listened to it. They they broadcast it. I believe they broadcast that live when they do it. They stream it. Li- so most of our production now is out of our LA mm-hmm. office. We we started here in New York with a great team that was awesome. All the teams were awesome. Um, and then one of our key players from that moved out to L.A. and started gathering an L.A. crew of like comedians and writers. And, and Who are the L.A. people? There's a bunch of them. You can drop but, some of their most popular people's names, and then they, they can be happy yeah, that you mentioned them. Yeah, but what if by like, random chance they're listening and I don't mention them? Barry Lank runs it. Okay. And uh, there are other people on there. Jessica Park is on it. Okay. Uh, Keith Saltones is on it. Yeah, I've seen Keith. Keith's good on the internet. He's good yeah, at the social very, media. He is very uh, good at that. Um, there was a girl that was New York-based, and then she moved to L.A., and she always posts things. Uh, well, Jessica Park does that. She's one of those, and so is um, uh, that other person. And then there's that something Samantha Moon. Gerwitz. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Moon. I don't know. Soleil Moon Fry? Nah. Anyway, they're great. Uh, it's mostly broadcast. Our production is mostly in L.A. now just because of life. Uh, and they uh, Facebook Live their their um, recording sessions, which it are sounds fun. sounds great. It's very funny. People should check that out. Thefinaledition.com. The Final Edition Radio Hour. Very topical. Sometimes. It's also Satire absurd. with teeth. Right? Yeah, we've had a lot of taglines. We, we were ferociously disrespectful. Ferocious, ferociously disrespectful. We did a whole thing for Howell, which is part of Earwolf, on the Supreme Court, like a three-part series, which has predicted what recently happened. Really? Yeah, yeah. Earwolf's great. How'd you get uh, looped in working with them? Uh, remember I was talking about my little penis earlier? Yeah. They were impressed. Really? They said, can, can you do this audio-wise? Incre- incre- <laughs> incredible low expectations. Uh, I don't remember how we got hooked up with them. I think one of the people, uh, one of the higher-ups was a fan of the Radio Hour mm-hmm. and said, hey, come over here. And we did. And we were like, hey, we should be on your network. They're like, no. <laughs> Instead, how about you make this one-off? Yeah. And then we won't talk to you again. And they did. That That's great. great. They followed through. Yeah, podcasting is something, right? It's very popular. How are you feeling? Are you okay? You mean like right now or in general, like about life? Mm, right now. I feel pretty good. I just had a sip of something. Yeah. So what what happens here? Do we you, do people just, we wait until everyone leaves the room? We just keep talking until like you can tell there's zero listeners. Do you right? have a awkward or cringeworthy story for me? Um, yeah, I have a lot. Let me think. Try to think of one that's uh, here's one. That's here's here, let's let's cut right to um, the real pain. Uh, I was in New York for a few years back. This is probably back in two thousand three or four. Um, and at the time, I had when I was particularly when I was on the road, I was doing political stuff. I had this bit that I loved. It actually won me the Bill Hicks Spirit Award because it was on the tape that got there. And it was just like it was like this long rant about blaming stuff and I end up like just sort of like losing my mind and like I end up on the floor and I end up like like 
prone and and it's like really intense and engaging when it goes well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was invited to do a show in the drama bookstore, you know, on 40th. I think they're closing it. In the basement, they had this cool performance space. And um, the person who invited me was one of the um, writers on The Daily Show. Um, and uh, and also someone ended up being an executive producer. And there were a bunch of people from The Daily Show there. And to me, The Daily Show was like the holy grail at the time. Like, I, yeah. I want to work on this show. And I made the decision, I'm not going to do just like, traditional joke like my, my set that's just like hey you know George Bush did this wacky wacky punchline haha laugh mm-hmm. like I'm gonna do this bit that's like a three minute bit out of maybe like an eight or ten minute set and I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it because it's special right it's been killing me killing it it's won this award and I, I was doing my set was going fine and I did the bit and it was just fucking pure crickets it was it was just like that deathly quiet that happens, right? Yeah. And it just, it didn't, con- I didn't connect. The sound of bombing. It, it did not connect. I recovered and finished my set a little bit, but you could just like feel it go away. And I just, I remember like people were going out for a drink after and I just, I like couldn't. I remember like I, I had driven in for some reason. I think I, I was picking someone up from the airport before, whatever. And I remember sitting in my car and watching people walk and just like this empty like, ah, uh, feeling. And at the time, I'd only been in the city for a while. I'm like, oh, I'll get another shot at that. And I did. Like, I had opportunity. Like, I applied for writing. I made, you know, I I got writing packets through and all that. Um, Never hired. But, like, looking back, I'm like, oh, you make these choices, right? (laughs) Now, if it had killed... Do you think that if it had killed, things would have ended differently? I don't have any idea. Would there have been a ripple effect Uh, that would have changed your entire professional life that night? Maybe. Sliding doors, right? Wow. You never know. I mean, I don't think they would be like, "Oh my God, here's a show." Yeah, but you know, maybe somebody there would. You know what show I love that's on right now is that Netflix, uh, the uh, Patriot Act. God, couldn't get that out. Totally epileptic. Yeah, Uh, Patriot Act. I haven't seen it Uh, with uh, Hassan Minaj. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. It's like walking. uh, It's like watching a like a kind of a. He calls it a woke TED talk. Yeah, very entertaining. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. both platforms for comedy and uh, comedy stuff out there. Yeah. It's not all great, but there is some great stuff that I don't think would have found a home in a previous era. Yeah. And I'm going to do it now with behavior. Hey, you ever notice, if you think about it, okay, comedians like a Seinfeld or a Larry David are like, hey, do you ever notice people do this right. stupid shit? Behavioral scientists are like, yeah, and this is why. So somewhere in the middle is me going, hey, give me some money. Well, that sounds great, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody go to Jeff's PayPal well, and just give for- him money. <laughs> Thanks for respecting that scab I just ripped off my fucking life. Like, instead of being on The Daily Show, I have kids. That's pretty much what it comes down to. It's a trade-off. Dick. At least, well, I mean, a, a TV show is not going to care for you when you're uh, senile and old. It might. It, well, that's true. Residual checks. <laughs> the book is called Dollars and Cents. Yeah, the other book is called Get Rich Cheating. The other book is called Get Rich Cheating. They're in bookstores. They're online. You can go to Jeff's website, which is what? jeffchrysler.com k-r-e-i-s-l-a-r jeffchrysler.com thanks for coming on talkward thanks for having me and thanks for living up to the name of the show where could uh where can people find you on on the twitter or the instagram at jeff chrysler everything is at jeff chrysler that's good uh and i don't instagram i've, I've made a decision so facebook so no one's twitter, seeing photos LinkedIn. of your life no one gets a peek inside the magical life of jeff i don't want to intimidate people I was an original. I, I was an Instagram model before it was a, a thing. What were you modeling? <laughs> like airplanes? <laughs> like model airplanes? You know what? 
I don't want to reveal all my secrets, but let's just say uh, the bubble butt didn't start with Brazilians. I don't know oh, what that means. Can I we erase have no that? Idea. Have you? Are you still recording? This whole thing is live. It's fine. No one's going to listen to this. Um, my phone is blowing up right now. Is it? Uh, thanks for listening. This has been Talkward. I'm Marty Dunnix, editor-in-chief of Weekly Humorous. Please visit us online at weeklyhumorous.com. The next guaranteed delivery live comedy show is at the Mailroom 110 Wall Street on January 9th. So check that out. For more information, check out weeklyhumorous.com slash guaranteed delivery. And, uh, and follow us at Weekly Humorist and at Talkward. I'm Marty Dundix at Marty Dundix. And this has been Talkward. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see you next time. Uh, Talkward is distributed by Humorist Media. Oh, and we have a sponsor. That probably shouldn't say that for the uh, We're sponsored by Swill, the liquor store in your pocket. Go to getswill.com and use the code FUNNY5 for $5 off your first order. All right, now we'll see you next time. Bye, Jeff.